Welcome to the Multipurpose Room, a podcast helping school organizations and school administrations achieve their goals. Each episode discusses real-life topics that PTAs, PTOs, and school staff are dealing with. Our hosts and guests offer practical tips, learnings, and best practices to achieve their desired outcomes. And here are your hosts, Wesley and Deborah Jones. So this is podcast episode number nine. And today we're going to be talking about what is FERPA and what do I need to know? So in the last few episodes, we've spoken about social media and how to use it effectively. But there are many policies and rules that govern social media and education. We have briefly mentioned FERPA, but what is FERPA? On today's episode, we're going to discuss social media policies and FERPA at a high level. This is the law. It's boring for PTA and PTO leaders who don't want to spend their time learning about FERPA. But Deb, you're a lawyer. Can you decode FERPA for us today? What is FERPA? FERPA is the Family Educational Rights and Privacy Act. It's a law passed in 1974, and we'll talk about it at a high level today. This episode won't be legal advice, but it'll at least be the things you need to know about FERPA to get through as a PTA or PTO leader. So why does FERPA matter? to school, to a PTA leader, to a PTO leader? What, what is FERPA for me? It matters to parents because it's a way of protecting your student's privacy, your child's privacy. It matters to schools because if you don't follow FERPA, it actually can affect your funding. So the U.S. Department of Education, who provides funding in particular to public schools in the K-12 sector, will cut off some or all of that funding if the schools don't follow FERPA. That sounds pretty important. And the way you're saying it, it almost sounds like HIPAA for healthcare, but for schools. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. It's a basic law that protects your child's personal information during their schooling. And once they turn 18, actually it goes on into higher education. But we'll focus on the K-12 through space today. So who does FERPA apply to? Who should be aware of FERPA? School administrators, PTAs, and PTOs as leaders should all be aware of FERPA. And then, of course, parents, because FERPA gives parents access to their child's education records, an opportunity to view those records, change those records, and protect the information from disclosure that's in those records. And what does that all include if we're kind of looking at the bigger picture of FERPA? It includes any information about the child. So that includes things like the child's name, address, phone number, any kind of contact information. It includes anything related to their grading, teachers' assessments of them. It can extend as far as handwriting. There's a lot of other details, but what's most relevant to our listeners here is really pictures, names, handwriting, anything that identifies that student, as well as any contact information for that student. Okay. So if I'm a school administrator, what do I have to be aware of for FERPA? There's a couple of key things. First of all, that you have to give notice to parents of the existence of FERPA annually. Second of all, you have to ask them about what they'd like to do with FERPA information if you intend to use any of it. And so what I mean by that is most schools have a directory policy and a release policy in order to allow the school to use any of the contact information related to that student, and that falls under the directory policy. 
and or to use the student's name or photos as part of regular school events. And that's really that latter policy I mentioned. So as a school administrator, what you really want to look at is, are you letting parents know annually about FERPA, creating a directory and release policy? And then lastly, if you have any related organizations that you're hiring to do work that will have access to those records, you should just take a look at your contracts with those organizations. That latter part gets a little more complicated and there are lots of resources out there that explain what to do in those situations, but I just flag that as an area to be aware of as a school administrator. So you kind of alluded to that towards the end of that. Specifically for technology providers, how does this apply if we're working with, you know, as we grow in 2020, we're working with more technology providers. How does this apply throughout? So what FERPA says is that the school cannot release any of the information we've described without prior written consent. And that's why I said the directory policy and the release policy are really important because that's the prior written consent. However, there is an exception to the prior written consent rule that allows educational agencies, so schools, to disclose information to other organizations that are carrying out educational-like functions. And I'm not using the exact language, but those technology providers can be carrying out those types of functions. And so in theory, you don't need written consent there. But again, that's something you should check depending on the provider. And then the other thing to ensure is that your contract with the provider does cover confidentiality of any protected information. Specifically, you want a clause in that contract that covers that. And then finally, the thing that most people don't think about with FERPA or frankly anything else, is what happens when the contract is over. Make sure that you have something in there that says they will destroy all of the information and not use the information for any other purposes after the termination of the agreement. Okay, so I have a little bit of an understanding now of a school administrator, but as a PTA or PTO leader, how does that apply to me and my position? I think the first thing that PTA, PTO leaders should recognize is that the school's directory policy applies to the PTA PTO. So what I mean by that is that the school will not share parent information with the PTA or PTO unless the parent has released and allowed for that information to be shared. So the PTA PTO can't reach out and solicit membership from any families who have not agreed to be in the directory. That just means that as a leader, when you're looking to connect with your school community, you have to recognize that there may be a category of people who opted out of the directory and who your newsletter will not be reaching if you're only relying on the directory. That's where having a Facebook group where parents proactively sign up can help. That's where having a table, a back-to-school night so that parents can sign up for your newsletter can help because then you can reach those individuals. The second thing as a PTA, PTO leader, and this ties into what we've been talking about recently, is that you should have a social media policy because one of the areas where FERPA and the PTA, PTO really collide is in the use of event photos and celebrating school morale where you can run into FERPA violations pretty quickly. And so having a policy that covers social media and your website, really just a web use policy can be really helpful. So what can I generally post? Is there a good rule of thumb of what should I post and what I can't post for social media for FERPA? 
Yeah, you shouldn't post anything that identifies the student. So you shouldn't post pictures or videos of any students who haven't authorized it. Unless you have a signature. Okay. Correct. Unless you have a signature or unless the parent is posting it, right? If you have a Facebook group, for example, and there's engagement and the parent chooses to post a picture or video of their child, then you're not posting it. But as the PTA, you should just avoid posting any photos, names, even pictures of the classroom where kids' handwriting may be in the background. Avoid that area unless you know that you have consent. Thanks for giving us a good kind of breakdown. It all seems a little bit complicated. Is there a good place for me as a parent to go online and be able to look and make sure that we're compliant or my PT or PTO is compliant? There's not really a place to go to figure out whether or not you're compliant, but there are some places to go to create policies that you know will be compliant. And so the first thing I would say is create a social media policy. You can go online and get model policies from the national PTA. You can even just Google social media policy PTA and you will find other social media policies. There's two things that I would recommend in your policy. Either go no photos So the PTA PTO will not post any children's photos and you can just rely on parents posting or make sure that you allow for photos, but then train your team and have a process with your school on checking releases. So it may be that you have a really good process with your school administration where they send you a list of everybody who has released, or maybe they send you a list of of people who have said, no, don't post my child's photo. And you check that list before you post a photo. Remember that when you're posting that photo, look for names on jerseys, for example. Look for handwriting in the background of classroom photos, any other name tags, and check the metadata. Make sure that the photo isn't named for the kid. And then you will be FERPA compliant in terms of not sharing the information for people who haven't allowed it. Also, don't make any comments about students or grades or any classroom assessments, that includes replying to any comments. And we often say that the best policies are for the PTA or PTO to not reply to any comments at all mentioning any students. That way you just avoid it entirely. So you can work that in to your social media or web policy. And again, you can find models online. And then finally, create a policy to the PTA or for the PTA that the PTA or PTO will not collect any student information and house that student information. In other words, let the school do all the data collection. Don't separately collect data for anything. That way you stay compliant. So create that web policy. Don't collect any student information. And you'll be in a much better place with respect to FERPA. Yeah, and if I can add one tip to that, I've seen so many social media accounts where schools have great photos, great content, videos, and it only included either the parents, the school, or administrators themselves. So don't be discouraged if you don't want to go down the FERPA track. There's other ways to create good content and share with your parents and your community without having to be worried about photos and signatures and consent forms. Absolutely. And frankly, one great way to get your community engaged and still be FERPA compliant is to ask the parents to post the photos, right? You're asking them to get engaged. They're getting excited. If they're posting the photos, they're consenting to that information. And so you're in a really good place there and you're facilitating that. You know, for example, shout out to so-and-so classroom, post your photos from the recent event. 
And then the parents are posting their photos and you're totally compliant with FERPA, getting your community engaged and getting everybody excited. Yeah, they can choose to tag you as well on photos. That's another good way. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, thanks for the FERPA talk. Absolutely. And if you need more information, the U.S. Department of Education has a great website and the National PTA and PTO Today also have some great information for PTA leaders. Make sure to visit our website at themultipurposeroom.school and subscribe to this show. If you like the topics on the show, we share additional resources on our company blog at k12clothing.com and click on blog. Thanks to Squad Locker for making this show possible. And we'll see you next week in the multipurpose room. Mm-hmm.